been trying to build anyways is that transparent look at how are we doing in reality. Um, you know, you can, anybody can show up to a bi-weekly OAC meeting, clean up all of their logs and you know, the last day right before this thing and walk in and be like, oh, we're doing fantastic. Well, it doesn't help anybody to, you know, put a lipstick on a pig. Um, you know, it, it's much more beneficial to make sure that everybody is willing and able to have that honest conversation because at the end of the day impacts are going to happen on your job if you're not uh, if you're not staying on top of them hey, what's up everyone welcome to the CM mentors podcast where industry leading guests share their insights and guidance to help the next generation of construction managers my name is Matt Graves my co-host every week's Kyle Grandell how's it going Kyle good good today Matt thanks awesome uh, this week's guest is CEO and founder of Projection, Joe Wilson. What's going on, Joe? What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for taking some time. and uh, I know you're busy right now, so thanks for taking some time and joining us. Absolutely. For, for those that don't know who you are, can you give us a little bit of a background of you and kind of what Projection's all about? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, well, before Projection, um, I dedicated my career 15 years or so to the commercial construction industry. Um, started my career with a large general contractor in the Washington DC area, and then uh, pivoted over to commercial uh, development, and then again over to the owner's rep project uh, consulting side. So um, roughly a $300 million project portfolio, um, ranging from you know high-end hotels, uh, renovations, uh, data center work, or senior living communities, and anything and everything in between. So um, that's uh, where I came from. Um, the uh, what what led me to to start Projection was um, a project I was working on that broke ground right before COVID. That um, it uh, well, as you can imagine, everything was going sideways, and uh, I had built this spreadsheet to try to figure out well, what was going on and could we in unprecedented times could we forecast risk uh, to the project budget and schedule and try to wrangle this thing across the finish line and use a, essentially an Excel spreadsheet to, to identify risky performance trends uh, across the team. And long story short, uh, we're able to use this spreadsheet to forecast risk, take appropriate action as a team, mitigate that risk and finish the project on time and in a million dollars under budget. And um, it was at that point I just said, you know, I, I think we're really on to something here that the whole industry can benefit from and uh, pivoted out in September of 21 to uh, launch Projection. Exciting story, man. Um, what was in this magic spreadsheet? What was the things you were tracking? Yeah, it was uh, everything and anything within our control as, as managers. So, you know... A project can go off the rails um, with a whole slew of unforeseen things, and obviously COVID as an example. Nobody knew the the pricing spikes, material shortages, and you know your project is getting impacted constantly by things that are just unavoidable. Um, but I took it from the approach of well, what is avoidable? What can? What do we have control over as managers? And so what I was targeting was, you know, what does the contract say about? RFI turnaround times. Um, how? how uh, what is the average turnaround uh, for an RFI response, and is that in line with what we'd expect on a healthy job? Is that in line with what the contract stipulates? Um, and then, 
opportunities to collaborate as a team is, hey, we're seeing this pattern and submittals are coming in late and high volumes of change events um, and uh, how can we uh, collaborate as a team to get out ahead of these things? Hmm. Well, we're, you know, you kind of mentioned all these different kind of red flags, maybe they get thrown up. You know, what's maybe what's, what's the number one red flag you may look for that could be like the biggest problem? You know, if you're only going to try to catch one thing. I know there's a million of them, but is there one? Yeah, that, that's that's the challenge. Everybody kind of looks for that silver bullet. I don't think it exists. Um, <laughs> I, I think it, it's just a compilation of anything and everything that's happening concurrently. Yeah. And, you know, to say that, you know, uh, the volume of change orders is what's going to cause this project to fail. Well, not necessarily. I mean, you could be incredibly efficient with your submittals and your 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 RFIs, and your, your team is working really well. There's just you know this one component is impacting your job. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to fail or uh, you know impact your your um, profit profit margins at the end of the day. So what we've like what we like to do is hone in on. Um, the low-hanging fruit of, uh, you know, highest impact, greatest return on investment, meaning like what are those most, most critical things? So um, we look at how is your team adhering to the critical path in your schedule? Um, you know, and then if we see patterns of, uh, of teams missing projected finish dates and missing start dates, we go back and say, okay, well, what is happening concurrently at this moment in time that, that can maybe provide insights as to uh, the big picture, the, the high resolution picture of what's going on concurrently. So um, we look at you know, all your submittals and the trends that you're seeing there. Are you getting them in on time? Are you following your schedule? Are you, you, know, are you basically meeting the commitments that, that you uh, laid out at the beginning of the project? Um, if not, then we say, okay, we're gonna flag these things as potential risks to your project outcome and go steps beyond that to say here's why we think these are important and what can your team do to uh, mitigate this risk from impacting your job later on. Yeah, so, so Matt, uh, just to add some validity to, to what Joe's saying, I mean, him and I talked, and I, I have shared a very similar experience, actually. I was on a project that we had a contractor that I was getting kind of a bad feeling about. I just I had a hunch things were starting to trend behind, and so I, I did the same thing. I put a spreadsheet together. I'm a spreadsheet fiend. I've got them up to wazoo for everything. I'm sure you do too, Matt. But um, started tracking just even simple things like the estimate to complete, you know, our percentage completes with the budget spend. Started looking at trends that way. Started to see them going away from each other and said, all right, hold on here. I pull the owner in the room and I say, we have an issue. Something's coming up here. Um, they're, they're behind schedule and they're going over budget. So you're about to get hit with change orders. It's coming. And sure enough, bam, a week later it happens. So I can really attest to what Joe's saying about the importance of this kind of a system. And so, Joe, you know, my question to you, I mean, it's, it's an awesome thing. And, uh, you know, it's not, it's not just a spreadsheet, of course. You know, what does this look like? Is it like a dashboard that's custom for, for different clients and different applications? Or, you know, what, what does that kind of look like for our listeners? Yeah, it's... Um it's a number of different things. So uh, basically it's at a high level, an executive dashboard. So you, you can see across your entire portfolio, the health of your jobs from a um, construction administration standpoint, how's my team performing? 
Uh, are we are we doing what we committed to doing? Number one. Two is how well are we adhering to the budget? Are we uh, burning through our contingencies? So we're providing a high level view that an executive in a snap could be like, okay, I need I know exactly the project I need to go to that needs attention. Then we take it a step deeper into dashboards, um, into automatic reporting, predictive analysis. Um, and as you peel back the onion, you can get as deep into it as, po as you'd like by, um, you know, calling out specific key performance indicators um, that are uh, automatically all pulled in. It, it's just, there's no additional effort at all. It's essentially a fly on the wall that, that um, is running in the background and, and uh, set up to flag your team or warn about certain things that are coming. And um, yeah, with, without the additional data entry component, I think sets us apart from a lot of the other dashboards that are out there. Well, that's so awesome because at least for me, when I was getting started, I mean, transitioning from you know the engineering design world into construction management, there were there were no really good tools that would do that. I mean, that's why I started using the spreadsheets and making my own. And right. so having that, I mean, that's a huge leg up for anybody next generation coming up that that's looking for those tools. How do I track a project? the right way how do I keep yeah. an eye on those metrics yeah that's exactly right I mean what we what I did for the past number of years as a project consultant I, I would go out and interview other executives and just say what what are you why is it so hard to get a project across the finish line successfully why is it so hard to make a decent profit margin on the, these projects and um, you're, you're, across the industry nobody has the time to real I mean you want the project to finish well, but it just requires a Herculean effort to, to, to make it successful. And um, unless your processes are incredibly clean and cl incredibly efficient, and your team is experienced enough to be able to forecast risks themselves, most of the time, in most cases, that, that is just, uh, that recipe doesn't exist. And um, so that's where we come in, is basically filling that experience gap um, you look at what happened, and I know we talked about this the other day, Kyle, what happened after, uh, you know, 2008, the, the market crash and um, a whole swath of the industry from, you know, uh, young project managers to middle tier management uh, basically left the industry altogether. Um, and now what we're left with is these high ranking executives managing teams of inexperienced project managers. There's very few filling the, the, that gap in between. And so, you know, the executives don't have the time to, to educate this next generation. It's just, it's, so now basically what, what you have is this old school mentality of you just gotta go through it. You just gotta, you know, pay your dues. You gotta grind it out. And that's a large, in a large uh, way, um, why, people are continuing to leave the industry. Why we're not seeing more young people enter the industry is because this grind is so prevalent um, and the value add doesn't really take place until after a decade or so of grinding in your role. So what we want wanted to be able to do was say, okay, you don't need to spend decades plus in the industry just grinding out through data and reporting and trying to find action out of these logs. We're gonna give you the answer to the quiz way early on in your career 
um, to help make you that much more valuable sooner um, and hopefully then uh, reignite the, the, the workforce in that way. That's such an interesting thing because like even with 10 years of experience, you know, a lot of, say if you're working for a general contractor, you may have only done five projects. Exactly. And I mean, you still got a decade of experience, but you know, five projects, they all ended completely different, right? And next five projects are going to end completely different because no two projects are the same. So, I mean, I, I think even executives with, I mean, if an executive with, say, 30 years of experience, he may have only managed projects for 15 years, and then he moved up and he moved right. up and he moved up, and he's he's 15 years away from being in the field managing projects. And so right. he's rusty when it really comes to that. So having a tool like this, I mean, it's just so invaluable. Yeah, no, that, that's exactly, you hit the nail on the head, man. Um, that's what we're trying to do. And, you know, it's, we went to uh, Procore's Groundbreak Conference in November this past year, and there were polls taken of, you know, across the, the participants, tons of contractors and developers, you know, what, what is your experience with data management and how, where would you, what are your, what is most important to you? And they all came back, I mean, just far and away, they wanted to understand their performance across their teams. They wanted to understand, better understand their risk uh, as it relates to profitability and the quality of their uh, construction. I mean, it's like everything that they described as lacking is something that you know we've been able to build and do. And then they go and say, well, what is preventing you from doing this? Well, we don't have the resources in-house to build these data pipelines. We don't have the time to educate those analysts on what is important and what's critical on a job and what data components need to be meshed with others to, to make sense of what's going on. So it's, everyone's kind of like, this would be great, but we just don't have the, the capacity to figure this out. And so um, the, the time feels like it's right. Yeah, well, and the, the part that Joe spoke about that really is, you know, we've, Matt, we've talked about it numerous times, I feel, on this podcast, mm -hmm. is about the next generations and, you know, what we got thrown into, that, that trial by fire, the sink or swim mentality. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like, like Joe's saying, it steers people away, and we can just do so much better. I mean, hell, Jason got animated about that similar topic this last week, and it was awesome to hear his perspective on things. And so, you know, these these tools, they're just, they're so great. And that's why, Joe, it's awesome what you're doing, getting these out in front of people, because, I mean, they need to be aware of this stuff, because it can just put them that much further ahead. So, you know, speaking of the next generation, it's like, I can go on LinkedIn right now, and, you know, there's a million people on there advertising data management and they use a bunch of words that don't mean anything to anybody in construction industry what is so yeah. what does data management mean and like what are you how is it working like you're pulling i know you're pulling pro uh, information out of Procore, and now maybe autodesk but you're pulling it in and and then what's how, how's the magic happen how does it go from there to something that's you said, i think you said predictive analysis a minute ago so like hmm. yeah it's a uh, without giving all your trade secrets away <laughs> no it, it's a a uh, complicated question, I'll try to make it as simple as possible, but they, they basically um, everybody's seen and used dashboards before, but how they get built is a very manual process. Um, there's There are also integration tools out there, and but they don't provide necessarily good dashboards. There are 
analytics tools out there, but they don't necessarily integrate and they don't necessarily provide forecasting. So there's like a whole bunch of these kind of individual components that nobody has put them all together. Um, so we ingest data automatically through open APIs. So we're, you know, pro, we're uh, development partners with Procore, CMIC, and Autodesk. Um, we, our tool analyzes scheduling data from P6 and Phoenix and Microsoft Project. Um, so what we're doing then is taking data from each of these siloed components, you know, construction admin, budgeting, scheduling, and overlaying the, the raw data on top of itself to say, uh, we're gonna apply a parameter to this particular key performance indicator and say uh, whether or not this, uh, this, this data trend fits within the parameter or exceeds it, falls short, and assess it, uh, assess a level of risk to that component. Um, so an example being, you know, uh, work in place, that's a common metric for a lot of construction companies, they want to understand are their billings keeping pace with how far along they are in the schedule, right? But historically, how that's calculated is in Excel or you know some other, you know, it, it's just manual calculation. I think project manager um, means you know how to run Excel very good. Is really all it means. Yeah, <laughs> I was exactly. using Excel earlier today, guys. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I use it every day. But what what What's unique about this from our perspective is that we can take your percent complete from the data that we're getting out of your schedule files, how far along you are in, in the critical path and the total activities and you know, break it down into you know, where you are in the dates and percent completes and overlay that with Procore's budgeting module or CMIC or Autodesk and say, are you ahead or behind pace based and, and comparing these things automatically? Um, so it's a, uh, it's a completely cutting out a lot of that manual effort um, and do, does it automatically. So it's, you know, that's where we want to get to is let the computer, you know, kind of do its thing, let the managers do their thing. You know, it, it's never going to replace the human component um, of project management, but what it can do is create opportunities for project managers to develop better soft skills and business development and um, and uh, you know conflict resolution, <laughs> um, collaboration, communication—all these things that are incredibly important as a project manager. But like so often, they can't devote the time or the resources to bettering those things because they're so deep in the weeds with you know managing logs and logs of information. Well. We're going to cut through that, make it really easy to understand what is being ingested and uh, how are you performing against your set parameters and then what, what can you do as a team to, to you know, move forward in a productive way. You kind of took the steam out of my next question. I was going to ask if, where, where I have my own opinions, but what your thoughts are on with AI and machine learning and if that's ever going to kind of take construction managers' jobs. You know, like that's a big fear in all the industries, right? Like, they're going to take our jobs. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think it'll ever uh, take out the, the human element. Um, but, you know, that said, we are built on a, you know, ML uh, architecture. So the idea is that 
predictions get more precise. You get um, real-time performance monitoring across your entire portfolio of projects. You get automated uh, routine and, and repetitive tasks. You know things where it's like, hey, I'm get I'm seeing that we're delinquent on submittals and RFIs and changes and all these things without me having to go and send an email out, it's gonna go and do something automatically um, that achieves the same thing. Um, so it's, uh, it, I see it as a support to the project team, not a, not a replacement. I was actually, I think I, we were talking yesterday and I mentioned Peter Thiel, the guy from, one of the guys from the uh, uh, PayPal Mafia guys. He wrote the book Zero to One about startups and actually, I just finished that today uh, when I'm driving up to a meeting. But one of the chapters is about man and machine, or man versus machine versus man and machine. It's about AI and all that sort of stuff. Hmm. And it was really, I'll, I'll give you the punchline, but it was really kind of interesting because he was like, it's never going to be and, or it's never going to be or. It's going to be machine machine and man working together to basically amplify each other. Because he, you know, he gives the example of like, you know, the whichever uh, Watson or whatever it was that beat the Jeopardy guy. The, the computer in the 90s that beat the chess champion. So it's like super smart in those things. But then I think Google was like boasting 71% accuracy on a computer thing where it could analyze a bunch of pictures of cats and not cats and say, yes, a cat, not a cat. And the guy was mm -hmm. like, 71%? Your average four-year-old can do that 100%. Be very, you know, right. So it's really good at some stuff. But other things, it's no better than a four-year-old. And right. so it's like you got to have a little bit of both to... And then if you can have the right recipe of both, that's where you can really excel and they really work together. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the, the human component, the face-to-face, -face, the tactile interactions, are you, you need that. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that's, I think a lot of the construction industry is based on those relationships, is based on trust and, you know, a lot of repeat clients. It's not because you're getting, you know, an AI chat bot that's sending you, hey, you're delinquent on all these things, it's because you have somebody on the other end uh, of the table or other end of the, of the phone who's willing to call you, have a conversation, be real and transparent, and work through um, issues together. Um, so that's, you know, I, I know a lot of the industry can tend to um, have their cards close to their vest. They don't want other people to know their business and they don't want to look bad when they go into meetings. Well, I think that whole mentality is feeding that uh, resistance to collaboration. And now we're seeing this lean construction become more and more popular and um, that, oh no, collaboration is the way. Working as a team is, you know, we are a team. If I do my job well, and the architect and the contract, and everybody's doing their job effectively, then everybody's going to be successful at the end of the day. And, um, you know, providing an AI that can help teams collaborate effectively together, transparently, um, I think is the way to go. So, Joe, a big part of the, the the lean industry and you know integrated project delivery and all the all the collaborative efforts that are taking place, of course, is mm -hmm. is getting in on the front end of projects. Is getting into the front end loading, yep. um, you know, planning parts of the projects. And does projection help with um, you know maybe some forecasting and pre construction phases too, and looking at you know maybe budget spends over over the projected project schedule and you know what are some of the uh, you know uh, uses for it on, on that end of things. 
Yeah, so pre-construction from a data standpoint is, um, is the next frontier, I think. Uh, it's a little bit uh, higher of a hanging fruit than, the, um, than from the start of construction through turnover. So uh, that would be a you know, projection 2.0, uh, so to speak. And that's part of what our uh, partnership with Autodesk is gonna bring about is tapping into the design stages um, and uh, helping projects get off the ground on the right foot. Because I mean, I think you're, you're spot on that the beginning of uh, a project going sideways happens in that pre-construction phase. And you know, if it gets off on the wrong foot, it's really hard to right that ship. And so, um, you're, yeah, you're exactly right. But that, that's, uh, I think, a massive opportunity when, when thinking about project risk as a subject matter, uh, a, a ton of green space in the pre-construction world. Well, yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, uh, at least from my experience, once the shovel hits the dirt, you're, the trajectory is mostly decided. I mean, now you just have to not screw it up. Right. <laughs> hopefully get yeah, to the finish to, you line. You have to fulfill your obligations. <laughs> you have to do what you said that you would do. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and thankfully, I'm seeing, at least seeing the trend that, you know, the projects that I've been working on lately, that they're starting to think about getting us in earlier and earlier so we can actually have that impact and offer the input on the pre-construction planning side. And mm. so, you know, having those tools on that end, too, are just are, are huge because our owners, our clients, you know, they're thinking about their world of things. They're thinking about trying to get their long lead funding in place and trying to get their budget spent at the right times because otherwise they won't have the budget for the later stages. You know, so, so planning ahead and having those those tools you know, on our belts can be also be, be really helpful in the future, too. Yeah, no question. It seems, you know, in pre-construction, there's a lot more that happens kind of behind the curtains, right? Because obviously you're not building a building. You don't, I mean, the architect, the engineers, are, from the owner's perspective, maybe, um, you know, they're kind of behind, working behind the scenes and doing something, and then the data is not easily as easy to harvest, I would say, probably, as a... Right. As, when you get on the job side, it's like... Did you either pour the foundation or did you not pour the foundation? <laughs> you know, it's kind of a yes or no yeah. type thing. Um, it's really easy to fact check, you know. What are you saying? All right, are you 50% done with your DDs? Are you 75% done? You know, what, is, what does 100% DD mean? That, you right. know, have that conversation every project, and it means something different to everybody. So it's a lot. Man, if you could solve that, <laughs> solve that mystery, that'd be a good one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think... Um you know, BIM technology and 3D modeling has been around now for, what, a decade plus. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, I think, just now turning a corner in how it's being used and the opportunities within the data there. Um, so yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a massive question, a ton of green space ahead with pre-construction from, a, you know, what, like you said, what does 50% DD mean versus you know, every iteration of design documents and how do we make sure that that uh, each iteration is designed to the budget and the budget isn't just, you know, being dragged along. I, I, I use the example of a, a wakeboarder, you know, somebody just dragging their head through the water, holding onto the rope because they can't get up. It's, you know, that's kind of what the budgets can tend to be. Um, uh, as it relates to you know design iterations, but um, you know I, I think uh, yeah massive opportunity from the design standpoint to just get out ahead of the issues, make sure that the the 
um, the budget and the design are aligned and get the project off on the right foot. So we've talked a lot about like you know how it impacts schedule and budget and cost reporting, but are there also plugins, modules for like looking at risk management and maybe safety statistics and you know kind of what what other areas have have you seen people be, people using or what are you guys exploring that people can pull into a dashboard? Yeah, so uh, it's an interesting question. I mean, we've seen a lot from a you know staffing standpoint, from a safety, from inspections, from uh, material procurement. I mean, there, there's a ton of different opportunities from an integration and like comprehensive uh, project uh, risk standpoint. From a safety standpoint, what we've done so far is tied into Procore's um, inspections and uh, reporting module where we can see how many inspections are happening every week, every month, what the inspection scores are, um, and tracking those details so that, uh, you know, hey, we want an inspection once a week or four times a month, whatever the case, cadence is, are you meeting those standards or not? And, um, you know, hey, we expect that uh, our risk scores on these things on every inspection is going to be in 85% or higher. Are you meeting that parameter or not? Um, what does it mean for your project if you aren't meeting those expectations? Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of contractors are using, uh, those historical inspections and the frequency and the cadence of them as a measuring stick for, um, you know, how many injuries and, and things happen on their projects um, over the course of, you know, a decade. So there's a lot of trend analysis that can be done based on that information that can be really powerful. Well, and that's exactly, I mean, spot on for what, what we're doing right now manually is we're tracking those safety trends from our inspections on job sites and we're seeing, are we seeing trends that are trending to be safe or are they getting unsafe and we're seeing that trend rise because eventually the unsafe is going to lead to a near miss and then near misses will stack up and lead to an incident to an injury to a recordable etc yeah. etc et you go up that safety pyramid and so i mean we're doing it manually but it sounds like you have a great tool that would help to, you know do all those get those logistics tracked for us yeah. and give us that report automatically that, i mean that's great yeah yeah um, i mean that and that's with a lot of these features people are doing, trying to do these things manually. And so, you know, from, if you're talking a value prop standpoint, something that can do it automatically for you, now you are freed up however many hours a week to do something else. Um, so, but yeah, it's interesting. I mean, one of the contractors we're working with um, had about a decade of data on their um, safety inspections and scores, the frequency of those inspections. and. Well, it's interesting from us, I, I would have expected that the projects that had higher scores would have had fewer incidents. Well, that wasn't necessarily the case um, as it was, in fact, the projects that had the, the higher frequency of inspections had the fewer incidents. Mm -hmm. Even though their scores might have been lower, just the cadence and the frequency that they had somebody going through making sure that things were done properly um, in the long run trended way better 
than the other projects where they maybe had one inspection a month that was a 99% score, but uh, because they didn't have something happening, you know, uh, on a more recurring basis or an inspection happening more frequently, um, it opened the door for more opportunities uh, of injury or incidents. Well, Matt, so. you talked about the curtain earlier. So this is one of those that, you know, the uh, the senior is coming out to the job site. So you run through, you, you tell the tradesman, get your areas cleaned up, the guy is coming. Is that even a real test of how the job site is? No, it's not. It's the daily. It's the constant inspections. That's what I was thinking. If you're doing it once a month, it's like, hey, next Tuesday is our monthly inspection. You better clean up your yeah, shit. Right. And like, <laughs> yep. But as right. soon as the inspection's done, you know you got a whole month, so everything falls apart again. Right. Well, that's a really good good point there, Joe. And anybody listening who's next generation, take that to take that to heart. That's that, that's a really key one. Is it's, it's constantly knowing what the condition is. It's it's a, and it's actually knowing what the real conditions are. You're not just faking it for the leadership right. team coming on site. It's really how are we doing day to day? Right. And I think that's kind of the the heart of what we've been trying to build, anyways. Is that transparent look at how are we doing in reality? Um, you know, you can anybody can show up to a bi-weekly OAC meeting, clean up all of their logs, and the last day right before this thing, and walk in and be like, oh, we're doing fantastic. Well, it doesn't help anybody to, you know, put a lipstick on a pig. Um, you know, it, it, it's much more beneficial to make sure that everybody is willing and able to have that honest conversation. Because at the end of the day, impacts are going to happen on your job if you're not... Uh, if you're not staying on top of them. and um, So that's, uh, I think you hit the nail on the head. That's a, we talk about that too, you talk about, I mean, it could be RFI, so I'm like cleaning up your logs. Like if you have bi-weekly, every other week, OAC meetings, and the architect or whoever may process all, you know, may let all these RFIs stack up, and then the day before yeah. the OAC meeting, process them all, so like, nope, they're all closed out, we're good, we're all caught up, so everyone's looking at it and says, no, we're good. Yeah. But that creates, he had a bottleneck, and then he hit send on 30 RFIs. When it creates a bottleneck, right. the next guy to process them. And so it's, exactly. and they get that whole, like, start, stop, start, stop every time. That's just a nightmare. Exactly. And, yeah, I mean, the cadence is a really important thing that we look at, too. Like, are, are you exactly that closing out just giant dumps of RFIs and submittals and changes all at once? Well, you're going to bottleneck, like you said, you're... you're the, the next step in the workflow is going to bottleneck because now they're getting inundated with all sorts of things and they have to provide the next step of action to whoever, you know, subs and the mm -hmm. rest of the team. And um, so to whatever extent we can help teams be better data managers, back to that original point of, look, we want these things to come in in a recurring, in a, in a, in a um, clean cadence, um, not just you know, peaks and valleys the entire project. We want things to be consistent. We want your team to be operating at a high efficiency level. Um, so making project managers better data managers, I think, is key in, in the transition of this stage we're in and helping that next generation really seize this opportunity, seize the gap, so to speak, um, in that experience uh, level across project teams. One thing, I mean... I think about construction data, and it's not always black and white, right? Construction data is so gray. Um, there's a ton of opportunities for people if they want to game the schedule, game the system. Um, you know, I, I've been on projects where the GC, he's like, you know, 
it'll go rework the schedule, right? Like you're behind schedule, and without adding manpower, without adding weekends, without adding overtime, he just cut two weeks out of the schedule. And you're like, wow, man, you're magic. How'd you do that? Oh, we reworked some logic. Like, mm, did you have a lot of fluff built there in there in the first point, or is now your schedule complete BS because it's going to all stack right. up at the end, right? Yep. And so what's some, I mean, obviously if there's a dashboard or something like that to help shuffle these things out, but, you know, say you're an entry-level guy and you're trying to figure out, are we good, are we not good, are we, is the is the data, what level of gray is it? Is there kind of any tips or anything for people kind of trying to shuffle through it, wade through the <laughs> mud? Well, um, yeah, I mean, schedule management is is really complicated. Um, <laughs> Very and, much. you know, P- P6 is a robust piece of software, and um, even even experts in it um, can take deep dives and come out hours later, you know, trying to analyze stuff. And, and so I don't have uh, an answer for you, <laughs> except, to use to, except to use projection. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a really complicated set of factors. And, you know, one thing that, uh, that can be missed frequently is the critical path and understanding flow paths and understanding are you shifting dates around, are you changing logic to look better? Well, understanding your flow paths, understanding compression, how that impacts your schedule, understanding how a beautiful Gantt chart can go from you know relatively flat to stacked on top of each other, you know, and just understanding that that the you can make that happen on paper, but in reality, zero chance that ends well. Um, and so, you know, that's part of what we've tried to do with our scheduling module is make that really simple to understand because it is so complicated. What are the factors that go into understanding your schedule and the health of your schedule, the quality of your schedule? Are you, you know, is it detailed enough? Is, are you changing logic? Are activities missing logic where, um, you know, it, it, things like that where there's just so much information that can be pulled and, and used in, in whatever way to benefit your, uh, your project. But well, I mean, essentially it's crap in, crap out, right? Isn't, isn't that what they always say about schedules especially? Because, Matt, I've seen the same, the same situations on projects where uh, as the owner's rep, you're seeing the schedule start to slip, you go talk to the GC, and then a couple hours later, it's magically back on track again. Well, okay. So, so really, how good was our schedule to begin with, guys? It wasn't. Right. It, it was. It was no good. In other words, in other words, you made up the schedule that for the next few weeks looks accurate, but the end is just all fluff and it's all float. So, yeah. Know. I mean, the challenge I think too is that so many contractors use the schedule as just kind of a they're checking the box, um, yes. and then they go and create their own three week, two week look ahead in, in Excel and say, oh, this is what I'm following not the contract you know schedule in in p6 because that's just too complicated it takes too much time to update well how are these two things connected at all and and that's a massive uh potential area of risk on on managing a job because you can go to into those meetings and say oh yeah we're, we're great we're on track with all of these things in my excel two week look ahead okay well how does that align with what you committed to in the contract schedule Oh, it, uh, it, we're, we're, you know, that's, don't worry about that. That's okay. Um, nope, that's not the answer. <laughs> so, um, 
trying to, to trying to align you know those uh, realities is is going to be a major challenge I think because that's how a lot of contractors and uh, superintendents that's how they manage the day to day. I think too. I think I mean I'm guilty of it. Um, I think I like to think I'm a realist, but a lot of us are very optimistic, right? You think, oh no, we're, we're, we're going to make it up. You know, you may be a little bit behind today, but we're going to make it up. And you know, just you know, if you're installing say a hundred widgets in a week, whatever you're installing, right? And you've been doing it for eight weeks, and you're only hitting a hundred widgets, but we're going to make it up. Like without changing something, without adding manpower, longer hours, how are you going to go to make 150 widgets next week, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think it's just. Sometimes you just need a slap in the face of something like this to say, hey, no, 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 look, you're trending wrong and like you're on a pattern yeah. and you're not going to make it up no matter how optimistic right. you think you are. Um, yeah. I mean, I know I've been guilty of that in the past. I mean, we all have, but it, I think you're right. It's just having that honest conversation with yourself, with the team, and, and to have something that says, you know, hey, I understand that you are saying that you can make it up and you probably can. But let's look at the past and the trends of what, what has actually happened because I'm seeing here that less than 20% of all of your activities are finishing on time, less than you know 15% are starting on time. So when you say you're gonna make it up, you're assuming that 100% of these activities, you're, you're batting a thousand on all of these things. So let's be real about this. And, and I think that's what we're trying to, you know, hey, let's collaborate, let's be real about you know, we're not lying to one another. We're not, you know, trying to pull the wool over our eyes here. It doesn't do anybody any good to do that. Well, and, and, and my take on this, too, is that for anybody listening, that's why this stuff is so valuable, because having these metrics that, that Joe was talking about, being able to see it in real time instead of having to spend a couple of days getting the data, another day or two analyzing the data, and now before you know it, you've lost a week, you're, you're even another week you know, behind schedule now before you actually realize what the problem is, you got a whole new set of problems now. So having the, the, the data in real time is just, it, it's, it's invaluable on these projects. Have you seen, a, we were talking about lean construction a minute ago, have you seen more of an adoption of this type of thing um, with, I say thing, you know, these types of data analysis for people who are more adopting the lean mindset and those sort of things versus the wild, wild west type guys who are just shooting from the hip and throwing together two week plans as they go? Yeah. Hopefully, having a two-week plan as they go. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah. I, I think um, there's a huge spread uh, across the industry of where people are technologically, um, and you do have that old-school mentality of just I'm gonna, you know, I came up with hard blueprints and you know <laughs> would do takeoffs manually and all this stuff versus you know you now have other contractors on the other side of the coin where they have full in-house teams of analysts and that are trying to build their own BI and data pipelines. And, um, you know, so it's, it's an interesting mix. And I think, um, the adoption that we've seen more and more are, um, people trying to wrestle with their data. They, they see it working across numerous different industries. They see the power of data. I mean, you know, chat GPT is like trending and seeing, oh my God, I, I can literally ask anything and it will just, you know. So there's a ton of momentum building that's been building behind making that transition fully into uh, data management. Um, but yeah, I mean, other other solutions out there, I mean, you, you got, 
you know, the Power BI's of the world, the Microsoft product, it's incredibly powerful, but it's a generic BI tool. So it's essentially like what Excel is, a blank slate um, that requires somebody who knows if-then statements and, you know, the how to, how to build, you know, pivot tables and all that stuff. But until you have that, somebody's just going to be using it like they would, you know, a Word document, just typing stuff in and not understanding the power behind it. And so, um, you know, from a Power BI standpoint, it still requires those people who know how to write code, know how to build dashboards, know exactly what, you know, data points they pull on and why it's important. Um, so, you know, for, from our standpoint, we don't really see anybody in the space approaching it from, from the same perspective. Our companies, you know, looking at it from the contractor's point of view, is it, you know, the adoption, is it larger companies versus smaller companies or like maybe lead, like the generation of the leaders, right? Like the old school guys, but once like maybe their son takes over, the millennials start taking mm -hmm. over, they're more uh, interested in technology solutions? Yeah, it's definitely, um, I think, connected to this next generation where, you know, guys like myself who were you know raised through the the technology boom uh, so to speak um, raised with the internet at our fingertips um, that are now in positions of executive leadership where they can make those decisions and push that ball forward so I think that the message uh, of projection and other data management solutions falls uh, more gently in those conversations um, but in terms of the contractor size it's funny I mean we've talked with you know, groups at the ENR top five, um, and then groups that are, you know, doing two, five, ten million a year, and they're all jazzed about what we're doing. So it's, I don't think size matters, uh, so to speak. So um, I think it's just, you see uh, a, a shift happening in the industry with people being more willing to rely on proper data management. Hey, Joe, I'm thinking kind of on, like, let's say the basic one-on-one type level for somebody that's, you know, either just, just getting into the industry or maybe they haven't really seen these tools before. Are there any good resources that you've seen where they could go just to learn a little bit more and get interested, get acquainted with, you know, all the different metrics and tools and dashboards that we've kind of been talking about? Anything you've come across that you'd direct them to? I mean, obviously, uh, projection, but, but, you know, even thinking more, let's say even basic beyond that, if they're just kind of getting involved for the first time, where would you send them? It's a great question, man. Um, and, you know, I, I came up, uh, through the school of hard knocks, so you know I, I might not be the best source of um, of information there, but you know it, it, from what I've seen, ENR is a great one. Constant articles about pushing the envelope. I mean, ABC Associate Builders and Contractors. I mean, they, they're just great resources to, to both learn about, you know, read about industry trends and patterns and things that are happening. People, you know, experts coming on and. and um, weighing in on various uh, data trends and then but also you know attending these ABC events just getting in front of people talking to people seeing you know just learning from others um, has been a huge uh, benefit to me um, from a number of perspectives I mean being able to develop soft skills communication skills um, business development type stuff so you know just getting out there talking to people um, but there's a ton of these uh, 
opportunities within ABC, ENR, and, and many others, NIOP, um, where uh, you have that ability to get out there, meet people, um, read about what people are saying. So, um, tons of tons of opportunities out there. Well, another quick question for you here, Joe, is just uh, just thinking about like, like we had another guest on that talked a lot about certifications, and I'm a big proponent of certifications, and for the most part, getting kind of that that base level of knowledge and you know understanding, et cetera, and. Mm -hmm. Where I'm where I'm going with this is every time I talk to my accountant, I don't know I don't know half the things they're telling me. I, I'm, I'm basically saying, what do the numbers mean? You you guys tell right. me that's why I'm hiring you. Right. So to, so anybody that's kind of getting into this, I mean, is there any anything that you think they should know about? You know, here's some basic knowledge, some basic resources that you should have to kind of really understand how to make the best use of these metrics and best use of this or. You know, if they want to start having conversations with you, for example, I mean, is there a certain base level of knowledge or, you know, something that you'd be expecting? To kind of expand on that, like, I think, you know, you get on LinkedIn again and, like, people are just throwing out these terms. It's like Kyle talked about his accountant throwing out words and you're like, I don't know, man, you have the CPA behind your name. You tell me what that means. And there's a lot of like, data scientists out there in this industry that, you know, have all these KPIs and all these metrics, and I'm like, shit, I don't even know what a KPI stands for. <laughs> like, so, yeah. I don't know. That's kind of where I have a <coughs> lowest Kyle when it comes to Excuse that. Excuse me. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting question, and, you know, frankly, when my CTO joined me, he's not from the construction industry at all, and, you know, there's a, a, a learning curve associated with just what the what is an RFI? You know, what is a submittal? What is the workflow of a submittal? And it, it took probably a couple months worth of, you know, he, he, him and I sitting down one-on-one -on -one for hours at a time just going through these questions, going through the terminology. So sure, I mean, uh, from somebody who's uh, as green as that, there is a, a bit of a learning curve just understanding the terminology. Um, and, you know, some of those basic, uh, basic terms obviously uh, have then implied uh, workflows and risks in various ways and impacts on certain things. Again, it all just kind of, there is an element of you just need to understand what these mean. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, hold on one sec, sorry. And that's, I mean, I think part of what we try to do with projection is just make it simple to understand what what are these things why is this important because otherwise somebody coming into the industry is going to spend a decade grinding to try to figure out why why like i'm getting hammered on my jobs i'm seeing trends of all of my submittals coming in late and now i'm trying to figure out putting two and two together what why this is happening well you either on the one hand just have to you know put your nose to the grindstone and go through it, which is kind of the message that we all received coming up in the industry, which is you gotta pay your dues. Well, there's an alternative to that, right? And that's what we're trying to provide them. Well, and that reminds me a lot of, you know, there's a lot of different exercises and things that people talk about when you're trying to, you know, get to get to the to the to the root root problem. Um, 
root, root cause of a problem, root cause analysis, and you know, lots of like asking five whys, you know, basically asking why five times in a row to get to, to the to the real cause of a problem. So it sounds like you know, like this kind of a dashboard, it just it really helps you streamline that process, and it really helps you, you know, not chase your tail and and lose traction trying to go after the wrong things. You should, you know, with, with have a basic knowledge and of course the expertise of of, of your team, Joe, to understand what what's even being looked at and why it can help you just troubleshoot a lot faster yeah absolutely man it's uh you know up until what we've launched there really hasn't been an easy answer to that question it's just you got to go through it and there are articles out there and there's tons of reading material and there's you know just the school of hard knocks just going through it um and I think that all of those things has, has fed into the industry's uh, struggle with staffing jobs properly, with getting fully experienced people to man their jobs. And um, so that's what we're trying to uh, address. Sorry, my throat. Struggling. <laughs> You're good, man. Um, is there anybody who wants to get in touch with you or anything? Is there a uh, best way to get you? Oh, you going to make it? A- My God. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was rough. So, uh, yeah, I mean, best way is shoot me a note. Um, you know, email is great. Our website has a contact us button, a demo, um, you know, request for a demo. It's You can see it. It's super easy, super um, user-friendly. So... Um, that that uh, and then I mean my cell phone is you know always on so anybody anytime with any questions can feel free to reach out. So how do you spell projection for people listening? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, projection is P R O J E X I O N. So our uh, our uh, website is www.projection.io and. Um, my email is joe at projection.io. Right on, man. Is there anything else you need to think the next generation needs to know before we wrap this up? No, I think it's, you know, the industry's in good hands. I think that, uh, you know, in general, there's a, a, an amazing shift that's taking place. And, um, you know, there's people looking at their, uh, looking at the markets and the trends of, you know, can we get construction loans? And can I, but I think, uh, you know, just how much room there is to grow technologically in construction um, is going to uh, be a, a hedge against a lot of those, you know, industry um, cyclical trends and, and really help bolster us going forward. So I'm excited, man. Yeah, absolutely. Well I think- put. I think tools like this are going to just help the pending labor shortage as it gets, you know, worse and worse mm-hmm. than the baby boomer retirement happens more. So, yeah, I commend you for what you're doing. It's, it's a it's a cool thing you got going. Thanks, guys. So, we'll have to talk later after you uh, when you get projection 2.0 and your pre-construction stuff going. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, it's around the corner. <laughs> thanks, Joe. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. Uh, thanks, guys. All right. Take thanks care. a lot, guys. Talk later. See ya.